when you, you see a woman who's just had a baby, you know they're excited about it, but you don't realize how exciting it is for the grandparent. And I don't, I'm not sure how many people thought it would be that exciting. Maybe they did. Maybe if they had good relations with their own family and grandparents, maybe they think it will be like that. But I, I think it's hard to imagine it before it happens to you. Welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Barry. This podcast is for grandparents on the go with their grandchildren and for parents who want to ensure loving relationships across the generations. I welcome your input and your feedback on every episode of the podcast we produce. Please send me an email at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Grammy Adventure. Please follow or subscribe to my podcast. It's free so you won't miss an episode and ask your family and friends to do the same. You can subscribe to the monthly newsletter by visiting my website, adventureswithgrammy.com, and clicking the newsletter sign-up link. Ann Richardson is a grandmother of two boys, the mother of a son and a daughter, and the author of Celebrating Grandmothers, Grandmothers Talk About Their Lives. This book looks at the excitement and challenges 27 women from various cultures experience in their role as grandmothers. How did becoming grandmothers change the texture of their lives and how do they view themselves? How did they feel when they held their grandchildren for the first time? These poignant stories will make you smile and tug at your heartstrings. Although about grandmothers, this book is not exclusively for them. This book would make a great gift for a new member of the Grandmothers Club and for anyone interested in the importance of nurturing relationships. Join me in welcoming Ann Richardson to the podcast. I really like your book. It's a very Thank easy you. read and somewhat emotional. You must have had a wonderful time researching it and writing it. Well, I did indeed. I love interviewing people. I think they come up with things you never would have thought of. I mean, even a novelist wouldn't come up with some of the things that people say. Grandmothers is the happiest of the subjects I've written on. Not a totally happy story, but uh, it's generally a happy story. Now, I was worried when I started writing the book. I was quite excited at the idea of writing a book about grandmothers, but I suddenly got worried that they would only be happy stories. And that makes, I'm afraid to say, a rather boring book. <laughs> you want everybody <laughs> right. to be happy, but actually, if it was nothing but grandmothers saying how wonderful it all was, you would soon find yourself sort of turning off and wanting to do something else. Although I'd never wish anybody ill in this whole world, I was quite happy to see that some people had some downsides of one kind or another. And I think it's very important to bring them out because people don't often think about that side of things. You're right. It is important that side be acknowledged because of the numbers of grandparents who find themselves in that situation and then feel as if they're the only one and they feel totally alone. I wrote a, a blog about unhappy grandmothers and all the ways in which they were unhappy. And I had the most incredible outpouring of comments to that blog of people saying, I thought I was the only person. Thank you so much. This really helped to make me feel I wasn't alone because I thought nobody else had this problem of being excluded from the grandparent situation because of problems in the family. I think a lot of people have know that there are problems of people living distantly from their grandchildren. That's quite a common thing. And people go from New Jersey to California and to Australia, 
all over the place. And so there is a problem of grandparents not seeing their grandchildren. But the one where it's family relationships, I think, is particularly painful. And people don't like to talk about it. It some, somehow seems shameful or something. And I, I think it's, it's just important that people recognize it. I'm interested in the feelings of being a grandparent and what it feels like and what the issues are. And, and it generally feels good, but not always. And that's what I wanted to bring out. I liked in your introduction when you talked about the complexities of the feelings and that it's you're after the texture of the grandparents' lives. I thought it was a nice way of putting that. I have to say that when I became a grandmother, all of this became a lot clearer to me than it ever had been before. Maybe everybody's like that. I can't answer that. I never had the kind of relationship with a grandmother that many people have, and lucky them. You know, it's wonderful to have a close relationship with your grandparents for all kinds of reasons. I just didn't realize how complicated it is. It's complicated because you've got a new person in your life. It's complicated because it changes your relationships with your children sometimes for good, sometimes for ill. Generally, I think for good, it's a reason why you see your children a lot more. I didn't see my son and daughter-in-law very often, although they didn't live that far away because my son was busy and my daughter-in-law didn't want to bother me. And suddenly when they had a child, I was always involved. It really does change a lot of things in family relationships. It talked about how being a grandmother was a surprise because this, this one grandmother talked about how for years, her friends would come up and and be just joyful about being a grandmother. And this woman said, well, it's not like you've done anything. Why are you so happy about it? And then she became a grandmother and realized all of the things that her friends had been saying. And she could marvel at that now. Yeah, I think that's right. I think a lot of us don't understand. And I think partly because It is such an amazing relationship. You've had your children, but that's gone. That was some time ago. At the minimum, it was 18 years ago. In many cases, it was 30 30 plus years ago. And you feel that's all gone. And all of a sudden, you've got these new babies in your life. So it's wonderful that you've got the opportunity to have this excitement of a baby. And I think that itself lights you up. And I said somewhere, I think that that uh, ask any grandmother about her grandchild and she will just light up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> they just, there's something so exciting. I've written so much about grandmothers and thought about it so much. I may talk about things that are not actually in the book, but there's enough in the book for anybody who wants to read it to to find out a lot. It just makes you younger. It makes you feel younger. It makes you feel sprightly. You suddenly are doing all these things. And you always thought, I always thought grandmothers were old, gray, and boring. Well, I've been gray for years, so that's not surprising. And I am old by, by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm not boring, I don't think. And being a grandmother isn't boring. And so you you suddenly have this new, it gives you a real spring in your step. It gives you something extra. And I think a lot of grandmothers would identify with that. And people who aren't grandmothers just look and say, well, I hope that'll happen to me sometime. Or perhaps that will never happen to me. I don't know. But I think it's hard for anyone else to quite get that. They get it when it's a new parent. When you, you see a woman who's just had a baby, you know they're excited about it. But you don't realize how exciting it is for the grandparent. And I'm not sure how many people thought it would be that exciting. Maybe they did. Maybe if they had good relations with their own family and grandparents, maybe they think it will be like that. But I, I think it's hard to imagine it before it happens to you. I had so many people tell me, oh, just wait till you're a grandparent. And I just could never understand that. And then when I held my first grandchild the first time, it was like this sense of love 
a deep love as I never had experienced before, just literally washed over me and transformed me. And it is without a doubt the most magical feeling I've ever had. I'm not one of those mothers who felt this immediate love the minute they were placed in my arms. I don't know why not. There may be something wrong with me, but I don't think I felt that even my first grandson, I was the first person to hold him because my daughter had a cesarean and she wasn't up to holding him. And my son-in-law had been terrified of being anywhere near the cesarean. And I had gone in to hold her hand rather than him. They actually gave me my grandson. And that was very exciting. But I'm not sure I felt love at that point. The love comes later in my view. But it is very exciting to hold this completely newborn baby. And when I was pregnant, I never quite believed the baby was going to be the end result. I mean, I knew I was getting bigger and bigger. And I knew in principle there was a baby inside. But I didn't quite believe it until I saw it. And I felt the same way when my daughter had her baby and I was there. And I remember when they pulled him up, I said, oh, my God, it's a baby. <laughs> as if I was expecting as if I was expecting something else. But that is actually what I said. I don't know whether any in the, anyone in that maternity room heard it. <laughs> I just my reaction to babies, I can't quite believe that that growing bump in somebody is actually going to turn into a, a real life baby. And then it, there it is. And it's just so much more forceful, so much more of a presence than you realize it's going to be in fact one of the women in my book I think said that she always thought the baby would be some kind of thing like plastic that you could do what you wanted with it plastic isn't quite the right word but something that you could mold and, and make what you wanted from it both her own children and her grandchildren she talks about that when she had her children and she saw this little baby looking at her she said oh my goodness this is a person and it's not somebody I can change immediately <laughs> and she had the same reaction with the grandchildren I think I think that's also true that they come out as little personalities and your job is to work out what those personalities are as they slowly develop but you, you don't know it when they're born a friend of mine said when I had my first child my daughter years and years ago she's 52 now but it does give you this this feeling of this new unformed person it's going to be an important person in your life, but you have no idea how or what or why or any of that. So I think that's kind of interesting. The relationship changes over time and you're not the only influence in that child's life. So it's, it's interesting. Oh, that's right. You hope these children grow up to be healthy, productive citizens, and they're not people who you really don't want to be around. Yes, you do hope that. I do think that the role of a grandmother varies and your interest in being a grandmother varies, but it's still a very important part generally of your life. I mean, some people look to it, they like all the playing with. And I noticed a lot of your podcasts are about the things you can do with grandchildren. That's very important to know all the different ways in which you can interact with them. My reaction to grandchildren and people around generally is I'm interested in how I can interact with them almost on an intellectual level. My grandson here recently, we were talking about his exams and what the subject was about and why he was interested in the subject or not, as the case may be. And at each age, you can talk about these things at a different kind of level. But I, I like that. And I, I love the experience of teaching grandchildren, giving them ideas and watching them fly with it and take it a little bit further or whatever. It's just very exciting to me, whereas I'm less of the fluffy playing with the teddy bears kind of thing. But I mean, different people want different aspects of the grandparent experience. And that's fine. And I think that's good for children because they get different things from different grandparents. You talk about teaching in young babies and toddlers, teaching them by playing with puzzles and reading to them and the imagination of 
taking cardboard and scissors and paint and making dragons or tiaras or whatever. I mean, even though it's play, it's still teaching and educational. Of course. Yes. Yes, that's true. At every age, there's a balance between playing and teaching, and often it's mingled. And that's what I enjoy. Cover my book, because anybody who will look at it will see that I'm doing this thing of, of knocking a spoon onto a saucepan. And he is, he is just delighted. He's just got the most delighted look on his face you've ever seen. And it's why I use that for the cover. It's not only is he delighted, but he's looking at me. And it's a very unusual thing to see a picture of a grandparent and a grandchild actually interacting in that way. It happens all the time, but you don't capture it. People capture them, you know, climbing on a climbing frame or doing something and you're taught or both looking at the camera. But one of the nice things about this picture, and it was taken totally spontaneously by my daughter who lay down on the floor and which happened to capture this moment while I was making a noise and he was so excited, his face is just completely lit up. And that is an example where he was enjoying the pleasure of, of hearing a noise and, and having it related to me. And, and we're actually looking in each other's eyes. It's a, it's a very nice, I don't take the pictures. I'm not, not proud of it because it's me, but just that it shows a grandparent and a, ch- and a grandchild interacting in that kind of way where play and teaching and everything is coming together in a kind of joy. That's why I was keen to do it. That is a sweet picture. One who's the picture in that book is now 15 years old. He comes and we have discussions about what he's doing in school and what is, how he feels about his friends. And it's a very different level than you have at one or two or four or even nine or whatever. Each, each age of a grandchild changes what you're doing with them, your relationship with them. I have four grandsons who are nine, eight, seven, and six. And then I have two granddaughters. Wow four and 19 months. And I had the older five with me for the last couple of weeks. And it's, (laughs) yeah, I'm a little tired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had three of them at one point and then they left and and then my other son brought two, his, his two boys up. So like this past week with the two boys, we did fun things that were also educational. For instance, we went, we went geocaching. A guest I had on the podcast a few episodes ago called it looking for Tupperware in a, in a, in the trees, in the forest. And so we found geocaches and then I took them to a science museum and we went two days and the boys just had a blast just exploring simple machines and learning about architecture and learning about Mm. dinosaurs and not that they don't know some things about dinosaurs but this exhibit was taking it to a different level that we hadn't talked about they got to see what bones look like and to me it's so much fun watching these kids explore and grow up and I have the advantage of this range of young grandchildren from, like I said, the 19 month old, I interact with her very differently from how I interact with the eight and nine year old. I'm enjoying every stage of their development, but it's nice to read about experiences and talk to grandmothers who have older grandchildren and hear about their experiences. So this is one of the things about the book that I'm really excited about is that you do have conversations with 
grandparents who have much older grandchildren? When I interviewed these people, I didn't know anything about them except their name and sometimes that they had a grandchild. You know, in a, maybe I knew what the age of the grandchild was, but you're trying to get people, I was trying to get people of different nationalities because I just think that's interesting. And a lot of people live in London of different nationalities. So that wasn't too difficult and different religions and different family circumstances. And, and they were actually, one was exceedingly rich and a number of them were exceedingly poor. I wanted to get all of that in. And, but the one dimension I think that is missing more than I would like is the older grandchildren. But there is a little bit about people going to theater with them or taking them for dinner. And I do think it, it does change very much. Obviously you can't, you can't dandle an 18 year old on your knee. You know? But if, if you like people, then they, they, you can is, interact with them as people and you can learn more about what that generation is thinking. And certainly my 15 year old grandson is always saying, well, my generation does things this way. <laughs> and I'm kind of passe as far as he's concerned. <laughs> he also thinks he's right. You know, he thinks his generation does everything right. So it can be very annoying, but <laughs> it's, it's a lesson in I always thought that having children was a lesson in humility. I mean, you, you just all the time realize you're just permanently in the wrong, whatever you do, and it's quite hard. And I think there's a little bit of that with grandchildren, a lot less in my opinion, because you're not trying to do as much with grandchildren. You're not kind of in that maternal role where you're trying to bring them up right and discipline them and get them to do their homework and all the things that my daughter has to worry about, I don't have to worry about, thank goodness. Sometimes thinking about, what makes the grandparent-grandchild relationship so good? Because it is good and it is different than the maternal relationship or paternal or whatever. It's just different. And I think it's partly that you both meet the other one on your best behavior. You know, you, you meet the grandchild from the moment they're born or from whenever you first see them with an excitement, but wanting to, to be loved by them and wanting to, to love them and, and you want to give them things. And the grandchild depending on the age, but as soon as they're old enough, they come to you on their best behavior because they know you're a family, but they also know they ought to kind of behave. It's not, not like being at home. And a frequent comment is my children say they're not the same with you as they are at home. And this starts quite early, even, even under one, uh, I was told they acted differently at home. And I think there's something going on there that's about being on your good behavior. And then that kind of interacts with each other because they're on their good behavior. So you really adore them and, and that you're on their good behavior. So they really adore you. And you can't help but have that be a kind of good virtuous circle as opposed to a vicious circle where people get more and more close and they feel more and more comfortable. And, and you can spoil them like mad. I said, you know, you can give them ice cream for breakfast if you want, and it doesn't really matter. You wouldn't dream of doing that with your children. You know, you have to bring them up properly or at least moderately properly. Maybe some people do give their children ice cream for breakfast, but I certainly never did. And, uh, you know, I think it just gives, it gives a completely different relationship. And it's, it's a wonderful relationship. I wish I'd had it in my childhood. I wish my children had had it. I, I moved to England and my husband's mother had died and my mother was on the other side of the ocean and she wasn't a maternal mother anyway. So I don't think even if I'd lived, lived in New York at the same time that she would have been a very, very involved grandmother. She was a very uh, working woman, a very ferocious working woman and not very maternal. So I, I think it's just, it is a wonderful relationship but it's not the same as, as any other one. I absolutely agree yeah. that children behave differently with their grandparents than they do with their parents. I think there's an expectation of not wanting to 
disappoint them and they want to, they are on their best behavior. I noticed it when my son and daughter-in-law came here to pick up the two boys, the six-year-old behavior changed almost immediately. And instead of the more mature side of him, I saw a baby side of him. Yes. Pulling antics to get his parents' attention, talking in a different way than he talked here. I mean, it was astonishing to watch. (laughs) So I had another grandson tell me one time that he behaved better for me than he did for his mom and dad because I'm Mama Barry. And that was uh, the kids call me Mama Barry. And that was his, his actual, his sentence, you know, I behave better because you're Mama Barry, as if there was a different level of expectation that I had than his parents did. And I know his parents expect him to behave, but I think there's also a familiarity that he's with his parents all the time. So he's seen them be tired and cave in when normally they wouldn't have. And he knows that when he comes here, there's certain rules and certain boundaries. And I'm not as overwhelmed as his parents are sometimes. And I hold the boundaries stronger. It is interesting to watch the different behavior when I'm with the entire family. And children are smarter than we give them credit for. They do know how to push your buttons. Absolutely. <laughs> they, know how to, they know how to push their parents' buttons no end. And, and they know how to just, if I go this far, this is what's going to happen. And if I go that far, that's what's going to happen. And they never push my buttons. I don't see the grandchildren pushing my buttons, but by God, my kids did. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's one of the joys of being the, the grandparent is we don't have that day-to-day responsibility. We can step back and take a bigger picture look at it. And, you know, we've been around the block. We've seen a few things (laughs) and we know some of the tricks. (laughs) So we're just older. I mean, you know, know, we're just 30 years older or whatever it is since you had your child. You you know, you've learned, you know, you've been around the block, as you say, but you've just gained maturity. And I, I think, As I said, I may have mentioned to you that I'm writing another book, which is just about to come out, uh, about why I like being old. And I think it's not often said people talk about all the downsides of being old. I'm writing a book about why I like being old. And one of the reasons I like being old is that I find I'm much more in control of myself. I know myself. I know what to do and what not to do. I know what I have to do and what I actually don't have to do. I don't have to do everything everyone wants me to do. And when you're younger, you think you do, but you don't. And there are all kinds of ways in which being older is a lot nicer than being younger. And in fact, I asked a group of people on the site that I write the blog for, would you rather be younger and what age would you like to be? And rather interesting, over half of them who answered, not all of them did, said they'd rather be me. Oh, no, I'm not going back there. I don't want to be any other age. I love where I am. Now, these were mostly people in their 60s and some 70s and the occasional 80s. So, I mean, I think as you get older, 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 there may be a point at which the health problems overwhelm all the other things. But I think your 60s and 70s, I'm 79, I'm not ashamed of saying so, are wonderful. You just have a, a whole confidence in yourself which affects everything your relationship with your grandchildren is one of them but also your relationship with everybody else goes on and and 
it's a much happier time, in my opinion, if, as long as you've got your health. If you start having health problems, that's another story. Yes, there are downsides to being old. A lot of your life being old is the same as it was all along. And I think that's another thing to recognize that, you know, you, you carry on doing the things you like doing and you carry on having the same old irritations. You go across with your computer 20 years ago, you're across with your computer now. You know, all those things that go wrong still go wrong. And a lot of things that were good still go on. But the new things are things like grandchildren and the self-confidence and the, the, the comfortable in your own skin. There's something about that. So that's, I think a lot of old pe older people do feel that whether they think about it or not, I think they do feel it. And that's why I'm writing my book, which if I may say is called uh, The Granny Who Stands on Her Head, which is in fact me, I stand on my head, but it just <laughs> is, gives it a bit of a, a strange title. I hope people will find that an unusual title. I like the freedom of being the age I am now. I'm retired, so I don't have to set the alarm to get up to be at work at a certain time. I retired as a teacher and there are lots of challenges and demands on being a teacher that I no longer have to worry about or deal with. And, you That's know, right. I get up at six o'clock in the morning or if I get up, the dogs sleep in and I get up at nine o'clock in the morning, it's okay. And I can set my own working hours and I can pursue new interests. It's like the interest of geocaching. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. And now that my grandchildren are older and I can take them with me and introduce them to something and learn about it alongside them, to me, that's exciting. Mm. And I now have the freedom to do that. Investing in ourselves and showing our children and our grandchildren that just because I'm 68 doesn't mean I have a foot in the grave. I have a brain and I want to keep using it. And that keeps me young. Having the grandchildren keeps me young. So I'm not sitting in a rocking chair wasting away. I'm out here enjoying my life. And that's fun. That's, that's really good. Absolutely. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, which is why I'm writing my book, <laughs> which I hope will be out very soon. What was the most surprising thing you found about the book or about the interviews? Perhaps I was quite taken aback by the difficulties that some grandmothers had. I, I hadn't thought about the problems of family relationships being that bad that you wouldn't be able to see your grandchildren. I just find that the way people express themselves is so wonderful. You just, people just put things in a new way that makes you stop and think a little bit. Like somebody said, being a grandparent was being a grandmother was part of the best club in the world. Well, that's a lovely summing up of what being a grandmother is. They just bring something home to you that you don't get from just trying to write about it. And I think any one person, if I were to have written that book and tried to write the things that I write about, I wouldn't have come up with the language, the spontaneity, the the, the intimacy sometimes, the, the whole feeling of joyousness. What There's a whole lot of expressions that people use where it just feels very fresh. And so it's something very fresh about reading. I think you said you enjoyed reading it. It's partly because it's new words, new thoughts, even though the thoughts they're giving are ones you might've thought of already, but you, it's put in a new way and it, it comes across, it, it makes it very alive and very refreshing. One section of your book talks about the grandmothers who go out to dinner and vow to not talk about their grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yes, it's hard not funny. to talk about your grandchildren. I think so. I think 
I hate all that stuff when people get to a party. In England, one of the things they love to talk about is how did you get here? And I can't think of anything more boring, whether you took this road or that road, or oh, I went around a different road because there's better traffic. It's incredibly boring. Hard to talk about anything important at a dinner party because people don't somehow. I don't know why not. But your grandchildren are both important and they're talkable about. You know, you can't talk about your marriage because that wouldn't be right. But you, you can talk about your grandchildren from till the cows come home. And, and as long as you watch out that you're not becoming too boring about it, I think it is. It does create an opportunity to have something in common with other people who have the same situation. It's tough if they don't, because they won't understand what you're going on about with such excitement. And why doesn't she just shut up? But <laughs> I agree with you that it is some a way of, of making a contact with another uh, a, a woman. I think Parents do the same thing to a certain extent. They go to a party, meet someone new, they'll talk about the schools or, or the problems of toilet training or whatever it is, depending on the age. I do think it is a very, it's a very acceptable thing to talk about, but also something that has a real importance both to you and to the other grandparents. What struck me in the book was how you could interview a different set of grandparents and hear almost the exact same thing. It's just the the particulars are different but that universal message is the same and all of the things the themes in your book all of the topics i've heard them on this podcast and even though it is different location the people you interviewed all live in england even though they're all different cultures and heritages where they came from may be different but there's a common thread of they're all living in London. So if you took a sampling of grandparents who live in Australia or Canada or the United States or Scotland or Russia, my feeling is that you're going to get the same kinds of statements, the same kinds of feelings, maybe different words, but that same theme is going to be central to the book. It would be interesting for you to replicate that book and your questions in a different country and see how it comes out. It's a nice point. I don't think it would be that interesting for the very reason that you just said. I think if you did it again, you'd get the same stuff. (laughs) I don't think, you know, if I went to France and did it with French interviewers, I think I'd still get much the same. I mean, there are some intercultural, you know, cultural differences between different people, but basically the issues are family relationships and, and, and the excitement of new babies and the issues of getting on with your children. It's all, it's all there. They all had the same, whatever religion, whatever national, um, even whatever um, financial group, you know, socioeconomic group they were from, they still had much the same issues, much the same issues, same worries about di- their children getting divorced and the children, the grandchildren being taken far away or uh, same worries, very much the, the same, the same issues are there everywhere. They're universal issues. Well, what else do you want our listeners to know about the grandmothers you interviewed? Well, just that they were a very good smattering of grandmothers. So if you like to read, I mean, some people say, why would anybody want to read this? And I say, well, they want to read it because it gives them a feeling of what they're going through and makes them think about what they're going through and what they could be going through that would be worse. Maybe what they could be going through would be better. I don't know. But it's just a way of exploring the human condition through grandmothers in many ways. And uh it is, it is, has been very well reviewed and people do like it, but it, 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 
it's often given actually as a present. That's another thing. If you happen to be listening and you're not a grandmother, but you have somebody in mind to give a present to, it's a very nice present because it, A, it says celebrating grandmothers, which I didn't think about when I gave it that title. I was trying to work out a title that didn't sound like you were saying grandmothers were wonderful or grandmothers were awful, but something, in, you know, something neutral. But um, it is, it is the, the title is a nice title to give to some a grandmother. And the book is very well loved by those grandmothers who read it. But I think grandmothers are often reluctant to buy a book for themselves that's just about their own lives. But I, I do hope that people will like to read it because it does give such a good feeling for all the different experiences that we have. And I haven't had all the experiences that are in that book and no, neither will anyone because there's too many different experiences but they do give you a feeling of what a group of women are going through and they are universal. They're not, they're not little individual. They're, they're personal and particular, but they're also universal at the same time. I suppose that's what I would say. And my first thought was, this is, this is a great book for women who are going to be grandmothers. Like for instance, if you take a present to a baby shower, for the baby or for the mother, this would be a nice touch to give to the grandmother so that they have, they get something, yeah. they get recognition, but also to kind of help prepare them for what the road could be and help them to avoid some of the pitfalls. And it's also a good book for grandmothers who feel as if they are alone, that to realize that they're not alone, that there are different definitely women out there feeling the same thing that they are. So I would encourage readers to go out and, and to buy it for themselves and definitely consider giving it as a gift to, to new grandmothers. But uh, yeah, I think it is, it is good for that. And I don't know whether if you're just embarking on grandmotherhood, whether you would take in all the things it says, but at some point in your life, they might become meaningful. As, as I think I told you, my own, we had one grandson, we have a grandson aged 11 now, who we looked after hugely for a long period, uh, partly due to his mother being ill and partly due to the fact that he went to school much nearer our house than to his own house. So he was here a lot and we saw a lot of him and he was also terrifically enjoyable, very ebullient child, very bright child, very eager to learn. There were lots of things that which fitted in with our own ways of doing things. And he has suddenly gone away. And so I am learning from my book, all the women who talked about how sad it is and how, how miserable they are when they have to leave their grandchild that lives a long way away because they miss him. I am now learning that that's what it's like. I'm having to, to, to learn that he's no longer around. He's, he's in another country now. And uh, I talked to him on Zoom on the weekend and it's not, as, not the same at all. He was actually asked to come in from playing with his friends because it was time to talk to granny, which was not the best way to start a conversation. He was very good. He tried very hard. But, you know, you could tell his heart wasn't in it. He wanted to be out there playing with his friends. And the, the tactile, the feeling of touching the person just isn't there, the child. So it, it's very, very different. And uh, so I'm learning from my book, but only because it's only just happened to me that this situation has arisen. Actually, it brings up a point I wanted to make. You talk about touching. There was a chapter in there about the importance of touching. And I wanted to make sure our listeners know about a book by an anthropologist named Ashley Montague. It was written in the 70s. And this book had such 
an impact on my mothering. And it talks about the importance of the human skin and why touching is so important Mm. to child development. And so I want to put in a plug for that book as a companion to your chapter on touching and the the importance of that, the physical contact. I don't know that. Benefited from it, I'm sure. Oh, it's it's called Touching the Human Significance of the Skin by Ashley Montague. uh And Hmm. I don't know who published it, but I have, I have one of the first copies of the book. I mean, not the first copy, but the first print edition. And I, I guard that book because I've loaned it out to my grandkids. And I said, I mean, not to my grandkids, I've loaned it to my children. And I said, I want you to read this, but protect it. And I want it back as soon as you finished reading it, because I value that book so much. I mean, as most of my grandchildren normally live in London, so the touching has always been able to be there. But I, I've become particularly conscious of it when it's been taken away from me, literally in the last three weeks. I mean, it's all just happened. Maybe four weeks. I've lost track now. But very early August, they left. And I, I really miss them physically, you know, just that physical touching. Well, this has been an interesting interview. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. I do yeah, want to give myself. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I want to give you the opportunity to uh, tell readers one more. I mean, to tell our listeners one more time about the title of your book and where they can find it. Okay. It's called very simply celebrating grandmothers. And it's got a subtitle, which I can't even remember now, but something like reflections of grandmothers reflection, reflecting on their lives, but that's not important. It's called celebrating grandmothers. You can buy it in any bookstore uh, or you can, it won't necessarily be in the bookstore, but you can order it through a bookstore. Most easily you can order it from Amazon. If you have Apple, whatever it's called, Apple books, you can do it from Apple, from Kobo, from most of the ebook things you can, you can find it. It's not expensive. It's both an ebook and a paperback. Um, Have I forgotten anything? I think that's it really. Yes. But how can they find you on the internet? Okay, my, I have a website, which is www.annrichardson.co.uk. And the only thing that's difficult about that is my N doesn't have an E. Uh, and people just automatically want to put an E on it. But anyway, it's annrichardson.co.uk, where you will find reviews of all my books and my blogs. So all the blogs that I write are there. Uh, I, I write it on a site called 60 and Me, but I then put them on my own website so people can read them. And it also has my contact address so that if you wanted to contact me via email, it is there. Um, it, it's, it's basically everything you might want to know about me is on my website. And I will have the links to your books, your website, as well as the link to the book by Ashley Montague in the show notes for people to find. Good. Excellent. Well, thank you. And oh, also, I want to make sure that I have your new title coming out too about granny standing on their head. So it's the granny who stands on her head and that will equally be available in all the places that I've told you about. And actually on my website, it now has a place where you can sign up. If you're interested in being told when it comes out, all you do is put your email address there. 
and I will send you an email when it comes out. I will not use your email for any other purpose. It's not to continue the relationship forever, which some authors do. I don't want to pester people. I just want to let you know that the book has come out when it does. So you can sign up there if you're interested in, in being informed. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.